Welcome to Talking Absolute Worship. Every week I go out on the streets and in the highways and the byways on my horse to find the most talented preachers that the UK has to offer. But it doesn't always work out. Uh, so welcome Peter and Ruth uh, who are going to help us. We've hit, um, we've hit gold today because on the rotor for today is Easter Sunday. I mean, who doesn't want to preach on Easter Sunday? Normally, uh, before we press the record button, we decide who's going to go first, but we didn't do that because we got chatting about other stuff. So it'll be a surprise to either Peter or Ruth who I select to go first. <laughs> so, and the other one can be thinking in their head about doing the prayer at the end. So there's a little bit of behind-the-scenes magic of talking absolute worship. So, Ruth... Um, <laughs> Where were you thinking of going, preaching Easter Day this year? Yeah, it's it's Christmas and Easter, I kind of think, does anyone really want a very long sermon? Um, and the answer is, there's only one or two who do, but mostly not so much. Um, but it's Easter Sunday, we want, we want a note of kind of celebration and stuff. And, and there will be people who will be perhaps sitting in our pews thinking, or chairs, thinking, you know, what's it all about? What am I supposed to feel? What, what's supposed to be going on? So I really went straight to Matthew um, uh, because it's Matthew's version of the Easter story. And you, you could spend some time saying, oh, look, it's different in this one and that one and that one. That's kind of another thing that I didn't do. I just, I just had a look, a really good look at Matthew. And I noticed um, there's a lot of seeing in this. So Mary and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And, and right from the start, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, no spices, no too early for the blackbird, no, um, you know, they're going to annoy anything. They're just going to go and see. They're just at that point of, oh, I don't know, maybe they're still processing the whole Jesus is in the tomb. They go to see the tomb. And I should say at this point um, that that um, really looking at the passage in the way I did came from Anna Carter Florence, who is a US preacher of note and a teacher of preaching. Um, and I once went to, and probably at least one or two of you might have done, um, and out there in uh, in talking absolute worship land, but also on the screen, um, we had a festival of preaching at Westminster College 13, 14 years ago. Anna Carter Florence came over and she did this way of Bible study where you you look at the verbs in the passage um, mm -hmm. and, and you just look at what's what's happening. Um, and it, it, that was sort of in my mind. And I just noticed all these different verbs for seeing and looking, and particularly that when appearance is in there as well. So they go to see the tomb, <clears throat> the earthquake, and it says what the angel looked like. His appearance was like lightning. Um, the, the guards shook and became like dead men. So there's that what they looked like. And then finally, someone says something. And the angel says, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here if he's been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's been raised from the dead, he's going ahead of you to Galilee, there you will see him. So I thought, oh, yeah. there's a lot here about, about seeing, looking, noticing, appearance. Um, so I think Matthew, if you want to characterise it, gives us this Easter story that's about, oh, look, look at the evidence look at what's going on see for yourself mm -hmm. 
Um, and then finally they see Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus speaks greetings. They came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And yeah, there's no there's no get off um, or no lay me tangere or anything, any other Latin version of telling people to get off your feet. Um, and then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So there's, there's kind of, you know, this for me is an Easter story of, of seeing <clears throat> and people not knowing what they expect to see, but seeing and encountering the risen Jesus. And then I kind of went to the Acts reading and there, there seems to be a lot about witnesses and testifying. So that's a more developed, if you like, response to the to the Easter story, because this is Peter kind of you know, summing up a few years, possibly later, um, to Cornelius and the other Gentiles, talking about the message. We are witnesses. Um, he commanded us to preach to the people and testify. All the prophets testify him. And so there's you know there's this idea that that from seeing you get to testifying to others and then because i wanted to bring in the other readings as well i thought well, what's in there um i went to psalm 118 which is about rejoicing um you know giving thanks to the lord his love endures forever um, so there's definitely an element of rejoicing and jeremiah for me that the line that really really came out for me was i have loved you with an everlasting love so i think for me there's something this easter about <coughs> Uh, about the love of God, seeing seeing what the resurrection means, testifying to it to others, rejoicing in what we see and what others have testified to us and what we might testify to others and remembering that it's the love of God that holds all that together. Three-point sermon, bish, bash, bosh. <laughs> Just like that. <clears throat> I, I think I've heard you talk about um, this verb thing before and I mm. think it, I think it can be quite powerful. It, it, it sort of it, it kind of draws the attention, I think, um, and and I think that would be a great way of thinking it through. I think you're right to say, oh yeah, we could like say, oh, in John's Gospel it says this, or in you know, Luke says it, or whatever. Um, and, and I don't think that's it's not interesting to people, is it? It's, this is it's almost like um, when a person comes and gives you an account of a concert they've been to or something they've been to. You're listening to their account. And you're not saying, oh, well, so-and-so so -and -so went to it and they didn't like that mm -hmm. or something. Um, and they told me they stood in a different place. Um, that's irrelevant, isn't it? You're saying, no, I'm listening to your account. This is, this is you telling me what you saw, what you, how you feel, how you uh, encountered this thing. Ooh. And I think that's wise. Stick with, stick with Matthew. Don't get distracted by John. <laughs> or anybody <laughs> well, it's difficult because we do merge the accounts. The congregations in their heads have got a merged account haven't they and the hymns will be unless you're very very careful with the mm -hmm. choosing of your hymns are going to be reflecting language of all three accounts or four accounts um depending on how you see it so um yeah i think that's a, I, I i do like that verb way of doing it the the, the worshiping thing i think is interesting um they bowed down and worshiped him because i kind of thought to myself does that happen very often um in the gos in the actual gospels where people actually worship jesus um and i don't think it does does it, it, it the magi do it i think at the beginning of matthew's gospel um i think it happens at the walking on the water um when they have one of those moments and they say oh wow blimey um 
this guy really is, you know, the business. Um, yeah. um, and, I think it's and setting the tone, it. isn't it? It's setting the tone for what is to come and what is to follow, really. Yeah, it happens here, and it happens with Thomas um, next mm. week. Spoilers, mm. but um, <laughs> but it's actually mm. quite rare that people actually at the time bow down and and get on their knees mm. and worship Jesus. Um, mm. So I think I was a little bit distracted by that as you as when you said it when they worship. I thought, yeah, did that actually happen? It might have happened more times, um, but um, I haven't found them or thought of them. <laughs> but uh, mm. I don't think it happens very often. Um, and then uh, you've got you've got seeing oh taste and see how gracious the Lord is. It would be good if that was the psalm, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, and what what do other people see? Mm. Um, that's cool. It's a strong start, Ruth. It's a strong start, um, <laughs> Peter. Um, were, were you going with the gospel, or were you going to skip that and do something else? Well, I was only going with two of the readings, but <clears throat> unsurprisingly, I'm using Matthew's gospel as one of those two readings, and putting alongside it the Jeremiah reading. When when I looked at these readings, I, I found myself thinking, where are we at as churches and as people at the moment in light of this resurrection story and of great joy so i think what i want to draw out is words of affirmation and to give confidence to our congregations at the moment i think they're really tough times in a lot of places going around from college to, to lots of places and working with different synods what keeps coming back is it's a really tough time mm -hmm to be a Christian in a local church for lots of different reasons for that. And uh, I think there's often the cry of what can we do? Because people are still feeling tired. They're still feeling that numbers are down. We've got so much to do. And yet, what can we do? So I think today we're, we're sort of coming together to celebrate what as Christians we believe <laughs> to be the most significant event of our faith, that Christ is alive and death is defeated. And we just want to scream it from the rooftops. And yet you can also feel as if you're shouting into the abyss <laughs> that our voices are not heard as the world ignores or treats with indifference our faith and what we believe to be our truths. How we feel secure, heard, valued and affirmed. And I think both of today's readings speak into that and have something to say to encourage us. And now reading from Jerry Myers, I think a good starting point where God's making the most profound statements to a people in exile, maybe with a sense of hopelessness and even abandonment. And God speaks into their situation of a covenant that cannot be broken. I shall be your God and you shall be my people and I will love you with an everlasting love. I think that's an incredible statement. I love that. And, and on top of this, grace is going to be present. Uh, Brueggemann refers to it as an allusion back to the wilderness sojourn in the ancient days of Moses, when God surprisingly suddenly gave sustenance in the wilderness, whilst at the same time referring to their contemporary situation. 
And I think it's an example of how an old memory can illuminate and redefine your present circumstances, which help us to see where God is in the present. So some of those memories, instead of being sort of rose-tinted, actually help us grasp a new reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. And I think that leads us quite well into the passage from Matthew, because we've got grief at what and who has been lost. And it's incredibly real and heartfelt, but then is being challenged and replaced by a new memory and a reshaping of the present set of circumstances. The mystery of the resurrection is incredibly challenging. They've seen and they've been involved in the events of Friday. And I think we need to try and understand the present set of feelings and emotions being felt at that moment, as well as the physical fact of a tomb now empty. I mean, talk about confusing. You've seen a person die. You're in utter grief. You go to somewhere that ought to give you, in some respects, a little bit of comfort. And yet now the tomb's been <laughs> sacked as well, and you haven't even got a body. Um, incredibly powerful feelings. It's hard for us to imagine that being replaced with a new truth. <laughs> and a new understanding that's going to shape our thinking of what has been in order to shape a new a new understanding. For Matthew, I find it really interesting that Jesus is still Jesus at this point and not the risen Lord. Jesus is still Jesus. Um, binding the crucified Jesus to the risen Jesus of our faith. This is the same person. This is still the Lord that you have loved, that you've listened to, that you've walked alongside, that you've worshipped to this point. And for the women, memories of Jesus pre-death are bound together that way with the Jesus that they now meet. And they take hold of, and I think that's significant in this, that they take hold of and they worship. Because you're binding together the worship of pre-death with the worship of now. And that continuity that shows Jesus has not left them echoes the promises of Jeremiah of I shall be your God and you shall be my people, loving you with an everlasting love. And the events witnessed by the women allow them to actually now believe this. We're being called to display no understand what resurrection faith is all about and the resurrection is not merely the happy ending of an almost tragic story of Jesus the resurrection perspective permeates the story throughout and in fact all of Matthew's story the gospel is testimony to the risen lord of the church without the resurrection the story that Matthew tells loses its power and its meaning. Resurrection faith's not based on evidence, but on the experienced presence 
of the risen Christ. And I think that's there right from the start of Matthew's gospel all the way through. It's a people reading it who have understood the resurrection and the power of it. It is what the whole New Testament... No, I'm still going. It is. I know, you want me, I know you want me to stop, but hang on. I'll give you just about another minute. Go for it. It's what, what the whole New Testament affirms and our lives display that leads to worship and lives of service. And I think that's the significance of the mention of bowing down and worshipping of the women at the end here. That's the power of it, that we can do this. We will worship because this is a God whose everlasting love is with us. So I think for today, the question for us is less about are we being heard in society at the moment and more about being faithful to our God and our story allowing the resurrected Jesus always take centre stage in all we are and do in order to shape both our and the church's life day by day. But then God through Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit will be known and will be seen in our world today. But we don't have to worry about that because God's the one who's in control. So I think there's words of affirmation and words of um, to give us confidence in our faith and in this risen Lord Jesus. So that's what I'm going to be working around to have to say this Easter Sunday. Thank you, Peter. Um, and thank you for drawing that um, link between Jeremiah and Matthew, which I hadn't seen, even though I had read Jeremiah. Um, that, that last bit. Again, you shall take your tambourines and go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. That's not licensed Ruth to get your tambourine out. <laughs> got one and are itching, but yeah, it wouldn't be a bad day to get your tambourines out, would it? Again, you shall plant vineyards. Again, the planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. And it occurred to me while you were making that connection that that's just a really powerful connection. I think sometimes when I preach resurrection, um, and these resurrection stories, um, I'm a bit light on what it actually means in real life terms. And it, it strikes me that those words in Jeremiah are what resurrection looks like in, mm. in, in human life. What does it look like for Christ to be risen? It looks like people are living in a fair and just society. It looks like um, people are able to work and reap the benefits, which, of course, is a huge issue nowadays. People mm. can't work and reap the benefits of their work because they can't afford the cost of living, even though they've got three jobs. Yeah, Ruth. Yeah, I mean, just similarly, I was it, the focus on Jeremiah helped break me out of the, you know, uh, what does it mean in our in our relationship? <clears throat> see the resurrected Jesus, but also that sense of you know resurrection for us. I thought that was really really powerful, and I loved what you said about it being the same Jesus, um, but there being a shift of understanding, and, and I think maybe that's that's the bit we can offer people too. Of you know, the, there's always the possibility of a of a new understanding, 
Um, so, you know, we, as we grow as Christians, we can constantly kind of shift a bit. It doesn't mean we suddenly we throw away the old Jesus and we have a new Jesus. It, it's a, a shift of, of that continuity of Jesus. And I thought that that had something about you know, the, what you just said, Phil, about worship, um, that, yes, Jesus is worshipped at different points of, of the gospel story up until now. But it's not the main focus um, is not worship. So as he goes around from village to village, it's not, hello, I'm here and everyone can come and worship me. Um, it, he goes as teacher and healer. And so it's that growing understanding of what it means for Jesus to be there, which which then every now and again breaks through into worship. And or on, in this occasion, you know, gets to the point, the risen Jesus, where where you know, worship then starts to become the, the focus, the, mm. because you can't follow the physical Jesus, you worship the risen Jesus and follow um so that there's something so i wrote down but i find it really hard to say that i thought that you were talking peter about faithful fulfillment oh. and it's really hard to say <laughs> but that, that that the the i can do it if i do it separately the faithfulness and the fulfillment it's when you put them mm. together um the 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 that continuity but shift and I think there's something really important there about about the way that we encounter the risen Jesus and the way our faith grows. Mm. I, I agree. I, it hadn't really struck me before that that Jesus is still Jesus and not the risen Jesus, which to me then was saying, you know, don't you haven't got to separate all this stuff out because mm. I've never left. <laughs> and and there was something quite powerful to me about that about life in general really and all the circumstances we find ourselves in and where people might think well what are you doing with the church where mm. is our place now or as individuals and suddenly it's like actually i've said in jerry meyer it's an everlasting love <laughs> you know, i'm never going <laughs> i'm with you and that sort of encourages us i think that faithfulness is not something to be underestimated and it allows us then to break out and have the joy in the resurrection. Thank you. I, I'm un, I'm unclear about where I'm going to go. Um, this I'm still. I don't think I've, I've, I've laser focused it down. Um, and I'm beginning to wonder whether sometimes what I preach on Easter Sunday is kind of preset by the focus of particularly Holy Week um, and what focus I put on Holy Week. Um, and I think some members of our congregations uh, obviously naturally see Easter Day as the climax of Holy Week. And not all of our congregation members turn up to all of the events in Holy Week, but those that do, if they've picked up a theme through Holy Week, then Easter Sunday will be the kind of resolution and climax of that particular theme and you could choose different ones couldn't you as to where you land up and what you mm. pull out of here um so if you for instance through holy week uh, or in you know, children's activities you've built a uh, a tomb <laughs> uh, and, a, mm. and an easter garden or something and you've got a stone then there's bits in here you can uh, I, I really like some of the details in here about the stone mm. um, in this one in matthew's version um 
this is the one where the women actually see the stone get rolled away, isn't it? Mm. In other versions, it's mm. already rolled away. Um, but this one, they're actually there when it happens and they experience the earthquake. Mm. And um, the soldiers become like dead people um, and 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 they don't. Um, and nonchalantly, <laughs> I quite like the idea of this nonchalant angel that just sits on the stone. <laughs> I kind of picture this angel just sort of swinging swinging his legs <laughs> sitting on the stone constantly <laughs> saying ah, stone that's nothing to god the, the world is my footstool i'm just going to sit on this stone and swing me legs um yeah ruth yeah that that struck me as well the the you know roll back the stone sat on it kind of uh, yeah i haven't gone down the nonchalant route but i like that too i was down the sort of death is dead route mm. you know that, um, mm. that this is you know the, the 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 whole place in the tomb, stone guards. You know that whole. Um, and then I thought maybe when we're choosing hymns, we might want to go for the sort of death is dead route and the you know um, death is no more. I think there's I I love that sense on Easter Sunday of 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 you know, laughing um, in the face of death, not not because it's nothing, but because mm. God is greater. And 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 just the angel sitting on it is just a kind of that's you that's you sort. Of. <laughs> it's a comedy image, isn't it? It is. Uh, it is. It's a comedy image. And if you had some real imagination, you could actually get someone to do that, dress up as yeah. an angel and sit on the. Stage. Are you suggesting that Ruth doesn't have imagination, there, Phil? <laughs> no, I was already imagining a whoopee yeah. cushion. <laughs> Get get, a, get the stone and get a whoopee cushion hidden in there somewhere and get a kid yeah. to sit on it yeah. so that it just because goes. The, <laughs> the actual Greek could be translated as whoopee cushion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I believe. Yeah, the other detail that um, I, I'm maybe unhealthily drawn to, um, but I think it could lead somewhere, um, is this 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 issue of 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 all the Marys. Mm. Uh, we've got uh, Mary Magdalene and we've got the other Mary. <laughs> Sometimes I say I, with my congregation. So yeah, that's the other the other Beryl or the other <laughs> the other Dorothy. <laughs> Nobody remembers who she is. She's the other one. Um, the other Mary because there's, there's so many. But I really think that in Matthew, this is supposed to be this is supposed to be Jesus's mother. Um, I think because I I had a shifty look while you were speaking earlier in the passage, and um, in uh, earlier in Matthew's gospel, Matthew describes. Her as Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Um, and in, earlier in Matthew's gospel, two of Jesus' brothers are called James and Joseph. Um, so, and so uh, the mother of James and Joseph is Mary, Jesus' mother. And that kind of vaguely links in my head, and I'm not quite sure where I'd go with it, with this idea of go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's Jesus referring to? Is he referring to the disciples? Is he referring to his actual brothers? <laughs> if he's talking to Mary, his mother, go and tell my brothers uh, would make sense. Or is he talking about both? Because he has talked about both. Because he, he says, now my family are the disciples. Um, and I think there could be something quite powerful in who Jesus' family is. And, and a really weird reflection on quite how everything changes for mary here now she's kneeling before her resurrected son and worshiping him and she's his mum. um mm. and jesus is saying go and tell my brothers in galilee <clears throat> well is that his actual brothers is that because it doesn't mention peter and co in this one it doesn't mm. say go and tell peter go and tell my brothers and of course i'm told 
at the Greek word for brothers here um, is brothers and sisters, but any group of um, people, if it included one bloke, even if there were 20 women, would be described as brothers <laughs> back then, <laughs> I'm told. <clears throat> but so it could be, I mean, it's not just male, it's not just males, it's uh, all, it could be all my followers are my brothers and sisters. Um, and of course, then that's us in the congregation, isn't it? Um, yeah. Go and tell them. Uh, do they know? Have they heard? Um, do they know what this is about? Go and tell them. This is for you. It's not just for Jesus's actual brothers, uh, James and Joseph. Yeah, Ruth. You've got me thinking now, you know, if the other Mary is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Which it is, yeah. Why, why, do, <laughs> why do we start with Mary Magdalene? Well, exactly. Yes. You just thought Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, or the other Mary. Um, you know, the, what, the, so Mary Magdalene's got kind of a bit star billing here. Um, and I, I kind of, I was just going into a little flight of fancy. Um, there's, 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 there's a thought that among the disciples, the disciple Jesus loved um, just means us. <laughs> it, it's to read ourselves into the story. There's one interpretation of that phrase. And I kind of wonder whether Mary Magdalene here is is in that, is, is almost the, you know, um, a bystander, uh, but someone who's already seen a lot and is here at this moment and sees the risen Jesus. And, and can we think that's us? Um, so it's a bit, it's a bit of a leap of imagination, uh, but but it's it's that sense that this is the story for us. Because I think whatever we preach on Easter Sunday, I would want people to feel this is an important story for us, not just in the history of the church or the history of the faith, or it's not, you know, well, it's Easter Sunday, so we all get to eat Easter eggs, or but this is actually a, a really vital, important day for us. So if, if Mary Magdalene could be there as, you know, an ordinary person who has seen Jesus do extraordinary things and experienced Jesus in their life, and now they're about to see and experience something else. So I just, that was, um, yeah, because you, you made me think about the Marys. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm confidently stating that it is Mary, his mother. Yeah. Um, please write in and disagree. Um... <laughs> Shredder is waiting. Isn't there's a Mary connected to Clopas as well, isn't there? I don't know. There's, there's, there's dozens of Marys that um, mm. Matthew refers to. Yeah. Anyway, who 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 knows? But I think it's in, and also calling you know Jesus's mother the other Mary, even if. He doesn't put her first kind of think oh right she's just the other one because if you were writing it and you were you and me you'd probably say and his mum was there as like number one yeah jesus you'd say his mother and mary magdalene or mary magdalene mm. and his mother not the other mary but there you go mm. um <laughs> uh, who knows you can play with that um, mm. um as long as something comes out but i think the thing to come out of it is i think what Ruth's suggesting is is a is, i think that's a really interesting proposition because sort of the point of our preaching is is to draw a congregation into um being present in the story mm. and how do we help our congregations be present in this story um and i think that that's maybe one way to do it because then there's the stone as well if you're focusing on the stone and the the angel sitting nonchalantly upon it why is the stone rolled away um clearly in this account and matthew seems to make this point um it's not to let jesus out is it um because jesus is already gone 
Um, the stone gets rolled away and there's nobody in there. It's not as if they roll the stone away and this magic thing happens. <laughs> or light comes pouring out or something, or, or uh, something whoosh, whooshes past. Um, however we would do it if we were doing a film. <clears throat> um, the stone's rolled away. There's nothing coming out of there. It's already empty. Mm. The stone isn't rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone is rolled away to let witnesses in, um, mm. I think, is how mm. this is working. And, and you can have a whole thing about the stone, can't you, really? Um, mm. What's going on here? That The stone is rolled away because otherwise, in the, I suppose, in the eyes of followers, Jesus would still be dead in there. Um, so it's not for Jesus' benefit. <coughs> It's for our benefit that the stone is rolled away to let witnesses in. <clears throat> so, so the stone being rolled away can produce the shift that Peter was talking about the yeah. shift in understanding. You know, you you go to see the tomb, and what you see is an empty tomb, and then you see Jesus. So that you know, you you you're seeing completely the opposite of what you expected to see. I did wonder about going down that, as my whole theme for the whole service was the stone and using a large stone or boulder in the church as a visual and then building everything around the stone because i think there's a whole service to be had there well there is if you take um psalm 118 and say the stone mm. that the builders rejected yep. has become the chief cornerstone yeah um, you could look through the new testament for all the passages that mention stones um, yeah, in Peter, the living stones. <laughs> yeah, if 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 we were to keep silent, these stones would shout aloud. Yeah. Um, uh, on Palm Sunday, which they will have heard the week before, mm. possibly, quite possibly. And you could so there is a sort of follow through, really. A stony theme, and you can yeah. bring in lots of stones. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's quite. It's quite likely that the stone that was rolled away is still in existence because stone has the property of lasting a long time, doesn't it? Um, that's just by the very nature of stone. It's still around. All the stones that Jesus talked about are still around somewhere. Uh, there you go. Uh, and we are living stones, etc., etc. Okay, marvellous. That's like a billion themes. The, the other one that just, that just tiptoed on the edge of my mind Um in this Matthew thing, and I don't know where it would go, but I, I think it might link in with the the whole who is Jesus thing, which the which Jesus are we talking about? Mm. Um, the one that is being worshipped, or the one who's like my best mate, who we wandered down the road with. Um, was at the beginning, there seemed to be like a a cluster of 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 stuff um, about. Um, well, there was like there's an earthquake. Um, there's um, it's, there's there's, there's light, lightning and there's clothes like snow, um, all sort of um, <clears throat> sort of earthy element type things going on, um, and there's a stone, there's an angel sitting on the stone, and I don't know whether something kind of numinous about all those things, saying actually this Jesus is even bigger than the one that you imagined jesus was um because the earthquakes for him the lightning flashes for him it, and, and the clothes like snow are a bit like uh, moses aren't they um coming down with the ten commandments um and jesus on the mount of transfiguration the sort of whiter than white snow imagery um 
So I don't know where you'd go with that, but it may link in with the they worshipped him. That this is. Or you wait for, or you wait for Ascension <laughs> Sunday and do something. Then you don't want to use all your ideas up. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Stick it in your bag for later. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just wondering whether there's something about just who is this? Jesus? Sometimes I think we get we we verge between the a seesaw of of who is Jesus, don't we? Um, mm. And quite often we, I think in the URC we sort of like. The Jesus we present is like the ordinary Joe, you know, just like you and me, he's an ordinary human. But there are these moments in the New Testament where Jesus defies description and is is way beyond the human experience, and you just have to stop and go, "Whoa, um, yeah, Ruth." Well, you just you've just got me thinking. All these sort of elemental things um, took me to to. Um... Uh, Elijah and the, I think it's Elijah, you know, the earthquake, wind and fire and the still small voice and all that. Um, mm. and, and I thought you've got all those elemental things. And then Jesus meets them and says, greetings. And I think <laughs> if that's not a still small voice, I don't quite know what is. Because, yeah, it's just kind of like, hello. <laughs> It's a great big moment. Not, it, you think, um, yeah, I don't know. It's not. It's not. Ta-da! Here I am. It, it's just a okay, or as we would say in Somerset, all right. Yeah. Um, it 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 feels like there's there's something massive and elemental, and something mm. small and small mm. that's ready to grow, and that kind of takes me back to Jeremiah a bit with the you know you'll plant and enjoy the there's something planted here that's going to grow. There's something that, that's happening here. Um, that that will fruit later on. Um, and I, I've often preached on Easter Sunday. But I, I think it must mean a lot to me. I think I often come back to you. Don't have to get it all at once. Yeah, you know, if if you're left on Easter Sunday feeling a bit, well, I don't know, what do I make of this? Don't worry, because the disciples didn't get it either, and they were there. So I think if it takes us a while to process things and for it to grow in us, um, we shouldn't worry and look for that sort of you know lights on moment, but for the for the steady growth. So uh, I think, yeah, but you just, again, you distracted me with that as well. So now I'm distracted. Oh, sorry. Right. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> just for completeness sake, uh, there is also Acts chapter 10, um, which I guess if you like is, um, it's an example sermon, isn't it? Um, it's Peter doing a sermon about mm -hmm. resurrection. <laughs> So this this is maybe how the Bible says it should be done. So maybe that maybe it's just maybe we've missed the point. Maybe there it is. There's um there's the sermon for um today. And Peter Peter doesn't go mad with illusions and imagery. He just tells the story. Mm. Um, that's it. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that was Peter's preaching style. He just tells the story. I, I think, all right, I'll just read this. What's on? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, right, know that. Yeah, oh, right, he's just told the story. Well, <laughs> give us some more, Peter. What, what does it mean? <laughs> but I think that's interesting. Sometimes I think maybe in my own preaching, I neglect to tell the story mm. because I just move on to, well, what does Phil think about the story? Um, rather than just, does the story speak for itself sometimes? Mm. And if so, how do we tell this resurrection story in a way that engages people with it. Yeah, yeah, we know about the stone. Yeah, we didn't. Oh, we didn't know about the angel sitting on the stone. We hadn't noticed that. But, um, <clears throat> going going back, yeah. going back to what you said earlier about you know one person's account of a concert 
or in another person's account of the same concert, maybe people need to hear the music and not hear our account of the concert at all. Yeah, sorry, I just muted myself while I was coughing. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, Unless you didn't mute me, otherwise people would have experienced yeah. a complete... I'm on my laptop and I haven't got my mouse and it takes me a while to work out how to use the finger pad thing Not... to move the things around. <laughs> so, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we need to hear the story. And that's Peter's account of the story and it would have been, I suppose, powerful because well, I suppose he wasn't there at this particular moment, but he was there, wasn't he? Um, and he wasn't there at this moment. It would be nice to hear um, either of the Mary's account of the story. Mm wouldn't it um well maybe we do because they told the disciples and they told us so well mary is a disciple isn't she maybe that's the point of saying this is the other mary uh, and not defining her as jesus mum um actually defining her as a disciple mm -hmm. um mary is a disciple and uh, i don't have to think of mary as a disciple but yeah it kind of feels weird for parent to be disciple of the child doesn't it? Maybe that's a bit weird in our heads to think that way. But there you go. This is Jesus. He's no ordinary child. <laughs> so maybe that's fine. Okay, so there's a billion things that you could do. Um, as Peter sensibly suggests, um, put half of them into your knapsack and do it on a different day. Um, and just pretend um, that it's about attention. <laughs> um, and don't, don't waste all your ideas in one go. Pick one that you that, that that you're passionate about that 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 you think will bring uh, life to your congregation and go with that one and don't be distracted by all the others. Um, hopefully you'll have turned off talking absolute worship. That's the trick. Um, when that idea was said, and then you say that's it now. I don't need to hear any more. I'll just be distracted. But obviously you didn't because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to the next part where I offer Peter and Ruth the chance to uh, talk about any other ideas that they might use in worship to bring um, this resurrection story to life. So, Ruth, um, mm. what, what have you I, I did think rather <laughs> than, I was I started to think about music and I thought rather than just pick my favourite Easter hymns, which I'm quite, you know, that's why you lead worship, isn't it? So you, you like all the hymns. Um, mm. But, but, uh, and um, I'm a, I am a huge fan of Too Early for the Blackbird um, because I love that death <laughs> is dead in, in the bouncy chorus. Um, but I wouldn't choose it on this Easter Sunday because I think it's a it's a distraction of a different story. So I think if I'm, mm. if I'm tr trying to help people to focus a little bit on what Matthew actually says and not try and fit everything in, um, then I think I would choose my Easter hymns quite carefully to to uh, you know not set off too many different hairs i run the risk of people saying but you didn't sing my favorite hymn but um there we are you can't sing all of the easter hymns and easter season you can sing them you can sing them on in, on other sundays but i did think because i was i was picking up my my little theme um i started of seeing um and so i did oh you'll want sound don't you there we go um but, so i did um just find um a, a version of uh, Stuart Townend's See What a Morning. Yeah, see. Um, um, and I'll just play the first little bit just so that you can have the earworm uh, like I've had for the last couple of days. <laughs>
cracking tune. Cracking tune. That because it's got folded grave clothes well, in it, Ruth. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, and the images. Um, <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about the images is that um, people look genuinely Palestinian, Middle Eastern. Mm. So I'm, I'm very positive about that. Uh, but yeah, again, I'm distracted by the images of, uh, yes, you've got the bits that aren't in the story. Uh, of course, when it's a hymn, people don't pay a lot of attention to the word. You know, do they? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm on a hiding to nothing, trying to be a purist about the hymns that we sing. But, but you, yeah, you can't sing Thine Be the Glory either without the folded grave clothes. Exactly. So you, you know, no, you're exactly. yourself quite a bit with Matthew's. Just, <laughs> just obsessed by ironing. That's the problem. Um, it's, but, but, but I think something to help people to to uh, to celebrate the story, and I do find that a particularly celebratory kind of um, mm. song. Um, I would just sort of a bit of a warning that um, if you try and sing it with ten people and a dodgy organist, it doesn't quite sound the same. No, <laughs> so you no. do need a little bit of <laughs> going on, um, which is something I almost never say, but um, it's true on this one. So if you, if you can share a recording with people, or if you've got someone who can who can judge it up, or take a tambourine. That's the other top tip. Oh yes, that mm. that is bound to help with an organist and ten people and a tambourine. Yes. Instant transformation. <laughs> That's my plan. Yeah. I think that would work. I mean, for those of us uh, in some of our churches, not all of them who've got big screens and sound systems, that mm. kind of has to be your your call to worship. Even you yeah. know, you just play it as as the service begins, and then you follow it with Christ is risen. He is risen mm. indeed, and and the. And they don't even have to. They can sing along if they want to, um, but they don't mm. have to. And it's there, and and the images and everything add add that as a oh yeah Easter days here mm. rather than you, you you mumbling some opening sentences, and then <clears throat> singing thine be the glory or something. Yeah, oh cracking! That's a great start. Um, I think that's now uh, the opening sentences at Salston Free Church. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much, Ruth. Uh, what can you What can you write for me, Peter? Um, <laughs> um, I, I just had, a, I mean, a couple of things around stones, really, because I was in this in my head, as I said earlier, had this rolling away of the stone type of thing. So there's two. One that I still think is awesome to do if you've got the people and can organise it is to do a well dressing outside the church um, and to invite schools and organizations to build up an outside picture during the whole of holy week especially now kids are still in school usually until Monday thursday so they can be part of doing that and you complete it on easter sunday as part of the service so when they're invited to come as groups initially you'll be telling them that we'll be completing this easter sunday either come to the service or join us outside at such and such a time when your picture will, will be completed um, and then leave it there for a couple of weeks afterwards. I would make sure that there is a stone um, as part of that picture over the grave entrance on right up till Easter Saturday. And then the new picture on Easter Sunday, we roll it away as part of the the service so at the point when everyone is gathered that gets rolled away and another piece of the picture's being done behind it ahead of time so the picture's complete it belongs to the community rather than belonging to the church and it stays there for a couple of weeks and all proud parents will take pictures because their kids 
and other organizations have taken part and therefore it's a brilliant um, if you like evangelical tool because they have this picture that they show everyone what what people have been doing um, but is actually sharing the Easter story at the same time and then I had an idea about Easter stones thinking that we have a, a decent sized stone for everyone in the congregation as part of the service we decorate them with words and colour that are words of the Easter message. Then you get everyone to take it home and you choose places that you walk and that you go to um, where you can leave the stone so that just as we are surprised by the events of Easter Sunday and the resurrected God, other people might also be surprised at an Easter message uh, so you, you choose your words well on the stones and maybe it's somewhere you sit when you go out for a walk that's looking over a beautiful view and the stone is left. But all of these stones, the idea is you take them, you leave them, let other people discover them. There you go. Yeah, that's that my is. two ideas. <clears throat> I like that stony, stony theme. I, I'm, uh, I haven't really got a picture in my head about what a well-dressing actually is. I know it's one of these weirdy, beardy, arcane village things that happens in some places with billions of flowers, but um, is that what you've got in your head? And how, how does Yeah, it starts, I mean, usually it's done with wet clay, uh, so you put a clay background into it, and then uh, modelling-type clay, and then you can add other bits of colour, flowers, or what material, whatever. Uh, they're done in all kinds of different ways. There's loads of information on the internet of mm. how to even make a well dressing as well. So the the info is all out there. Cool. Ruth, you're going to give, add some detail about well dressing. Well, I'm not about well dressing itself, but I'm just <laughs> going to share with you a picture um, of something that we did outside Taunton URC where we had a local artist do... Um, a, a big it was it was 2020 so it was in lockdown in case you notice people wearing masks in the picture um, and he did he did an image for holy week which had the crosses and the um and then the the tomb kind of sealed up and the soldiers and there were local people i'll show you the picture in a minute but being kept at a distance then for easter sunday we moved things around so that the the soldiers put down their guns and the the people were around, allowed a bit closer, and we we decorated it with flowers. That's the picture I've got. So I haven't got the before and after. I've only got that one of of the um, the Easter Sunday, but it was just a way of sharing. Hopefully, you can see that in a helpful kind of way. Mm. Um, it's probably showing you a whole thing, but but you've got um, yeah people, uh, and we, you've seen we've got palm branches which were were there, you know. So it's you can you can kind of imagine how it grew. Um, yeah. and, and you've got you've got um, just a, a symbolic uh, thing for people to see, and because it changed through the week, I, I think there was a, a certain amount of interest of people to see what was happening, um, and that, that it felt very dark with those sort of almost camouflagey colours. Felt very mm. dark at the beginning of the week, and then for Easter Sunday with the flowers, it kind of opened up and, and felt like a celebration of Easter. So that's did the, um, um, did the flower committee refuse to move that pot with the tree in it. <laughs> <or was> it... 
It was very heavy. <laughs> and, but also, we, th we thought it added a little bit more life. Um, and I think it's actually slightly concealing the, the stone because we, we haven't thought through the fact that the stone would need to move away. So it, it's, uh, it's artistic ah, license. Yeah. What it is. I see. Um, right, but, but the idea of yeah, something yeah. visual outside the yeah. church I think always helps to to take the message out into the street. Me yeah. too. <laughs> Church, churches are kind of used to uh, nativity tableaus, aren't they? And I think mm. introducing Easter tableaus and um, and uh, I, I, maybe I'll even maybe I'll achieve it this year. I've, I've always wanted to make a like an Easter nativity set. Some people know that I collect mm. Easter set, a crucifixion set. Um, with the different characters that you can display uh, indoors, I think they do. They are around. I've seen them around on the internet before. You get sort of mm -hmm. a tomb and a stone and a cross and a, and some little cut out wooden soldiers. They can't be difficult to make, but it's just actually sitting mm -hmm. down to do it, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. But putting something big outside, uh, that, uh, that particularly that can build up, is quite good. Some some churches put crosses outside and they dangle different things on through Holy Week, don't they? Mm -hmm. so, a crown of thorns goes on or a, a purple robe goes on and a whip gets added and it's you know, quite often they do that inside it's quite mm. nice just think it's really nice to do it outside isn't it so mm -hmm. it's a story for the world not just for well the tragedy is so many go on walk witnesses that is you know showing the dark side and we somehow forget to do the celebration outside mm. Mm. yeah well, I, I have to confess, I'm much better at Holy Week than I am at Easter Day, and I'm usually exhausted mm. by Easter Day. Um, and I put an awful lot of emotional energy into Holy Week, mm. Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and all that kind of stuff, putting stuff on that will be emotionally resonant for people. And by the time we get mm. to Easter Day, I'm going, oh, well, great. Um, there's the end of that then. I'm going on my holidays next week. And it's going to be a bit of a limp. And, and half the congregation have gone off on holiday already. <laughs> yeah. It can be a bit limp when you get to Easter. Which is why hopefully this podcast will help people to sit, plan Easter early. Because I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Phil, that I find it hard to think about Easter Sunday when I'm still doing Holy Week. And I often sit down on Holy Saturday and have to pull something together for the next day. And, and mm -hmm. but, but I would encourage our readers and listeners um, and watchers and everybody else to, to maybe try and plan ahead. That's my plan this year for once is to, to plan that ahead, do it well in advance. And then, and then you've got something that's got a bit more um, mm. vim in it, perhaps. Yeah, that's, that's sound advice. Yeah, I think you're dead right. How many times thinking back? And I've not really realised until you said it that I've actually really planned Easter Day on Easter Saturday, um, <laughs> which is obviously not the best emotional time to do it, is it? Nope. Um, there you go. So I always have party poppers, but that's because I always have them. So I mean, the, people know that during the first hymn, <clears throat> in the last verse of the first hymn, they're all going to fire off their party poppers and just to try and create that kind of atmosphere. Last year at Sawston, people can have this idea for free. If you search about it on the internet, you'll find it. It's not brand new, but it actually worked. I've done it two or three times, and the first time I did it, it didn't work. But I planned it properly this time, it did work. Um, we did resurrection bingo with a congregation, and uh, basically give them all bingo cards. So all all slightly different, with all the words from the story. You know, you get stone and soldiers and blah blah blah. And um, but but it's but it's rigged um, so that of course you mention all the words. 
but there's one common word on all the cards which is risen or something like that to forget what the word is and they're all eventually they're all waiting for that one word because <laughs> you've said all the others <laughs> and then you say risen and everybody stands up at the, at the same time and says bingo or no i think you you you, you prime them to say they have to say christ is risen or something and the entire they all think they've won so they all go yes <laughs> <laughs> and they think, oh, oh we've been tricked <laughs> everybody everybody's won. So, and it just last year i did it it worked really well um the first year i did it somebody did it wrong and so stood up early <laughs> on their own <laughs> when we checked their card they hadn't had all the words so, so. Kind of Christ is risen. No, he isn't. <laughs> no, not <laughs> yet. <laughs> so if you want something quick and easy to do with the whole congregation that's, that all ages can engage with, um, then look up um, Resurrection Bingo or Easter Sunday Bingo or something like that. It's dead easy as long as you just keep your head and you read out the script so you do mention all the words. Then everybody will stand up and say Christ is risen at the end. Well, and I just noticed, I think, that in the Matthew 28 re reading... That the word me is not used until the very end of the reading. <coughs> not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So if you have me as the word that finally Ooh. completed everybody, you you would they would all stand up at the end of the reading. Yeah, you could use the actual reading rather than a made-up version to try and wangle in all the words. Yeah. Just yeah, just so uh, you yeah, do it I, yourself if you are confident to write different. So people sat next to each other and got exactly the same card and they twig. Then um, different combinations of the same set of words, but with one in common. Mm -hmm. but, um, it's it's not as easy as you think logistically to make that work. <laughs> <laughs> if you start doing it now, you've got plenty of time before. Doing it now, you've got plenty of time. <laughs> Reward yourself with an Easter egg when you've finished. <laughs> Marvellous. So I think we've hit gold um, with Easter Sunday. Uh, what's not to like about Easter Sunday? Um, if you've buried the Alleluia during Lent, you can unbury it on Easter Sunday. There's no end of stuff. You can do decorate crosses, um, all sorts of stuff going on. Or if you go one step further, you can look up Peter's instructions for well dressing. You don't even have to have a well, dude. Do you have to make a well? No, no. no you no. don't even need a well to dress a well. Apparently. No. <laughs> no. Dress, dress a church. Just, just dress something else. Right. Brilliant. Anything else to say before I ask Peter to lead us in prayer? No. No? Uh, we've been talking absolute worship um, for about an hour. Um, thank you to uh, Ruth and Peter for sharing some fantastic ideas. Um, we'll be doing this, and um, with Ruth's sound advice, we'll be doing this well in advance, um, thinking about what to do on Easter Sunday. Um, but we realise that as preachers, we do feel the pressure of holding the hopes and dreams of our congregation kind of in our hands for how Easter will be. Um, and it can it can be a bit of a pressure at the end of Holy Week. So I'm going to ask Peter to pray with us as we uh, think through how we'll do this with our own congregations. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are a resurrected Lord that you are always with us. We heard words in our reading from Jeremiah that you love us with an everlasting love. And as we prepare to lead worship on Easter Sunday, we pray that there will be some of the threads that can be pulled from all of the tapestry of your love to be used, to be enhanced 
and to encourage and enrich the lives of those who will hear, as well as ourselves as we prepare. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.